0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Cania. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideofDetroit.com. Eric, Thursday is the beginning of the NFL Combine. It's going to be on the NFL Network. I think it starts sometime in the afternoon. I think 3 o'clock in the afternoon for those of us in Eastern Standard Time.
1: Yeah, 3 o'clock on on Thursday, 3 o'clock on Friday. Then they shift it early to 1 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday
0: two hours
1: earlier to you is that early <laughs> that's almost earlier i mean earlier it's, yeah. while you, it, you
0: are correct there
1: <laughs> it's 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 quite a change from last year which was quite a change from the year prior for years it started at 9 a.m like every day like every single day started at 9 a.m and then they went until they were done uh they also went in order crown a lot like uh you know positionally they had the quarterbacks, the receivers, tight ends going first. Um, uh, but everything has been kind of switched up uh, for the second year in a row. Last year, what they did was they tried to make it more of like a prime time event. So they had the the events starting like it uh, like I think I want to say like four or five, maybe even uh, even later. And and uh, the players weren't happy about it being later. So the NFL compromised and but came up with that three o'clock, one o'clock start times instead to try and appease the, the late night uh, on-field drills. They also, um, you know, in an effort to make it more viewer friendly, they've uh, switched the order up as well. So they are starting the event this year with the defensive line and the line and the edge rushers and the linebackers. And then on Friday, that's the, when the defensive backs go on Saturday, when you know most people are off, that's when they put the uh quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends, and then they finish off the combine on Sunday with the offensive line and the running back. So, uh, you know, there was a couple other little nuances like they had they switched the bench press around last year and the players didn't like it. So, most because they put it on the same day as the on field drills, most players opted out of it because of that. Now, what they've done is they put the bench press on the day after on-field drills because players were saying they didn't want to do it because it would take away from their performance uh so they're trying to make it easier on the players now i still think it creates an opt-out easy opt-out for them by doing it after the drills but uh, we'll see how it goes um they're trying to make it an event that can be you know consumed for the average fan at the same time they're trying to accommodate the players as well and so
0: this is the new design, and we'll, we'll see how we'll see how this one works. So you're saying the offensive linemen who participate on Sunday, yeah, they'll have to stick around till Monday to do the bench press. Correct. Correct. Which, yep. And I, uh... <laughs> not an important. I don't know. It's that. That's definitely not an important stat. We've seen plenty of good offensive linemen who had a poor showing on yeah. the bench press,
1: but historically, most of them participate. Um, but yeah, they've, they've changed it all up. Like, and it used to be, they were just there five days. Now they're there six. Um, they make the E there's an ease of transition day right off the bat before they used to come in and then immediately be thrown into like medical testing. Now they've spread the medical testing out over a couple of days. They've spread team interviews out over three days. And so they've tried to eliminate the stress that the combine has been, uh, in the past. And so, We'll see if uh, if guys stick around for that extra day to do the bench. Um, the kind of carrot that they've dangled is that they're going to also be bringing these players on uh, for like television interviews and radio interviews and stuff like that. So if it's a good player, there's incentive for them to stick around and then be part of like a media soiree after they do their on-field drills.
0: Oh, very nice soiree. Good good word usage. So you're ready to dive right in?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Now the NFL has changed things up, and they are doing things positionally out of order. But we have a tradition yeah. here at the at, at the podcast where we will we just go position by position, starting with the quarterbacks. Some of these will go faster than others, obviously, and so that's where we'll start. Last week, last time we talked about the state of the roster, so we know a quarterback. All the Lions have on the roster is Jared Goff. Who are the guys that we should be keying in on during the combine, if any?
1: Yeah, well, if you're a team quarterback, draft a quarterback, you're going to want to pay attention to the guys at the top. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, uh, Anthony Richardson, and and Will Levis. Bryce Young isn't going to throw. The rest of them are. Uh, I think the, the logical fit, if you're hoping for a quarterback on, on in round one is Anthony Richardson. So you want to keep a a hard eye on him Uh, should be interesting with the quarterbacks. You're not worrying so much about, you know, are they completing passes as much as you're looking at things like uh, footwork mechanics um, and how they interact with others. Like if there's a quarterback, that's going to be an alpha they're going to show that alpha when they're just sitting around like, you know, goofing. Right. So, uh, it, for quarterbacks, it's such a leadership based position that the guys who stand out when they're not throwing, those are typically the guys that do well, you know, like in the huddle and in the locker room. So those are the things you kind of want to look out for. Excuse me. If you, uh, if, if you're under the, uh, the assumption that they're going to take a quarterback for, you know, reserve purposes. There's a handful of guys on day three. They're all kind of clustered together. Um, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue is a guy that, you know, he's, he's pretty accurate. So that would make sense. He's tall, accurate. It would fit with the Jared Goff mold. Um, Jake Hayner from Fresno state is, uh, I think we've mentioned him before as a guy who has, who could probably like start 40 if he needed, uh, like a spot start. Um, and then there's going to be a handful of other guys that are like, you know, these great college quarterbacks that who knows what they'll be in the pros, like Max Dugan, Stetson Bennett. Right. And then, um, there'll be a bunch of athletic guys at the, at the bottom half as well. Like, like uh, Tyson Bagnet uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson from, from UCLA, Emily Cunningham from Louisville. Um, that that's kind of like you're going to be trying to see which one of those guys separate themselves if you're looking for a backup.
0: Now, last season there was a lot of Malik Willis talk as yeah. you know the draft approached, and there was a lot of stuffing <laughs> Malik Willis down our throats. That this guy's a, a, a first round draft pick. There, yep. our rivals on the radio would say that like the Lions should take him, mm-hmm. and, you know, with their first round pick, and it turns out everybody was wrong. Mm. he went in the third round didn't play so great when he got in there but you know it's one year and it's neither here nor there the texan and the texans titans were on a downswing at the time so yeah. is anthony richardson going through the same thing or do you think he's a different type of player i know maybe it's too early to tell
1: no no i i think he is a different type of player um i do think there's a lot of that same persona and perception of him where there's going to be people that maybe got burned by Malik that don't want to get burned by Anthony. Uh, but in my opinion, when you watch Richardson, some of the stuff that he can do is special in a different way. Um, some of the technical stuff, some of the, like the power arms there. The athleticism is there, but Richardson has more of it. He's bigger. He's faster. There's just, there's, he, he can manipulate the pocket better. Like there's a lot of these little intangibles that you can see in Richardson where you're like, wow, if he can string together all of these things, then, you know, when that eventually clicks for him, he can be something special. And um, I don't think I saw that as much in Malik last year. I saw a lot of good traits that, you know, could lead to him being a a starting quarterback potentially, but there were, there was enough nuance there that I, I did have some speculation around Malik where, um, I, I think before even this point last year, I was kind of starting to back away from them.
0: All right. Flipping over to the running back position. Just a recapper from last <clears throat> Last time, DeAndre Swift, Craig Reynolds, Jamar Jefferson, Greg Bell, Jason Kabinda. Those are the guys who are under contract currently. Everybody's pushing for Jamal Williams. Even Jamal Williams yep. is pushing for Jamal Williams <laughs> to return uh, to the Lions lineup, but for the purposes of this discussion he will not be around so let's talk about running backs
1: yeah you have to you have to look at do, are you going to need to replace jamal or if you're not going to replace jamal then you're going to need to re- maybe have a backup plan for swift um the good thing about this draft is that you have options to replace both so if you look if if this team is confident that you know that they're going to return Williams, then they can look at some of the more agile um, electric running backs. Uh, If they don't think they're going to bring Williams back, then they're going to look for some of the more power guys. And there's a pretty even distribution of of those stylistic guys that will be available at different points in the draft. So it's, I think at any point that they go into it, they might be able to find a guy that kind of fits what they're looking for. Uh, For me, I'm in the, I expect them to draft a uh, a DeAndre Swift uh, insurance plan. A guy who, if Swift gets hurt, can step in and fill that role. A guy who could potentially replace him. Um, at the top is, of course, Bijan Robinson, who uh, we've talked about previously. Um, after him is uh, Jameer Gibbs and uh, Devin A-Chain uh, from Texas A&M. Now, Gibbs and A-Chain are both like legit 4-3 running backs like they're going to run exceptionally well um a chain is a track sprinter at texas a&m so he should be comfortable coming out of the stance he should put up extremely high numbers um but gibbs can flat out fly as well uh gibbs is he i've written this before He kind of reminds me of Jamison Williams where he has like a gear that just no one else has. Uh, When he's running out there, he can turn it up or turn it down. And it looks like he's, you know, he's coasting when everyone else is running their best and he's still kind of pulling away from them. So there are two really interesting running backs to me that I think would be very good swift replacements. Um, If you don't uh, end up wanting to take one of those guys, you know, either in like in the, maybe the top 50, top hundred, um, there are going to be other replacement guys. Uh, uh, Eric Gray is probably the closest player to DeAndre Swift. He's the Oklahoma running back. Uh, he will give you a lot of the same things Swift does. So if you're just looking for an injury type replacement, he makes some sense. He's not going to be as dynamic as Swift, but stylistically he matches. Um uh, I always pronounce this guy's name wrong. I mentioned him last name. Uh, my sleeper is the running back from Pittsburgh. Um, israel real abanaconda abanaconda. That's what it is. Jesus, oh, Pete's thank you for helping me there. Um, I'm Abanac- not 100% sure that's right, but me that's sounding
0: it out in my head, that's what yeah, I think it is.
1: Abanaconda is is correct. Um, I like him a, a, quite a bit. Um, I think he's got speed, he's got juice. He won't turn 21 until uh, training camp, so he's going to be still very young. Uh, I think you can get him at the end of round three, maybe day four uh, on day three. Uh, he's a guy who I like quite a bit, and I think he could be a very natural, like long-term type replacement. Um, Spears from Tulane got a lot of hype at the Senior Bowl. He's another guy who I think could be in that in that mix. Um, and then, then, there, like I said, there's a handful of guys that are more power based, like Zach Charbonnet or Bigsby. You're probably going to pay a higher price for those two guys because they're a little bit more balanced. But then you also have guys like um, Roshkin Johnson from Texas and uh Zach Evans, Kendra Miller from TCU, these are more power based guys, uh, that I think would be DeAndre, uh, that would be Jamal Williams' replacements. I just don't know if I'm as sold that that's the route that they would go. So for me, I'm looking at speed athletes as um, as the types of back that, that the Lions, I think, are going to be interested in. I know you're a Deuce Vaughn guy. He's going to be fun. He should be really fun at the Combine to watch. Um, but I wonder where his stock will be at the end of the day.
0: Now, you added in your um... – Jeez, uh, I thought about it. And I even still said PowerPoint. <laughs> your Excel file that has your draft board. You know, your early yeah. iteration of the draft board has Deuce Vaughn leading the whole draft class in touches. Seven hundred sixty-three touches. So heavily used yeah. over his college career. I don't know. Does that? You know, we it's a hundred. That'll make a big deal. But
1: that's a hundred more than any other back in this class.
0: It's this impressive, <laughs> and he was only a junior. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But was was a, he a fourth year. Too. Okay, it was a true junior. No, right? true so junior. He ended up being yeah. a fourth. All right. So no, he I,
1: just, yeah, heavy usage.
0: I don't see the Lions drafting him because you know he would have to be also used in r- the return game. I think they're going to be, you know, fine fine with having Khalif Raymond, you know, return. So I, mm. I, I don't see the Lions going after that guy. <laughs>
1: For, for those who don't know Deuce Vaughn, he is incredibly electric, but he's only five foot six, one hundred and seventy six pounds. He is essentially Darren Sproles, right? Played um, a long time,
0: surprisingly, yeah, certainly.
1: And, and and Deuce uh, Vaughn has he has breakaway speed. Um, there's another guy like that too, uh, Keaton Mitchell, who's like five, eight, 185, who can run like the wind as well. Uh, both those guys are going to be kind of late day three guys. And that's that they're look, they, they'd be fun as like third down backs and maybe kick returners. Um the issue is is I think the lion are look the lions are gonna be looking for bigger fish here, and they're gonna be looking for a guy who can be RB3 and potentially RB two or one a year from now. And so that's why I'm kind of leaning towards them trying to be you know pragmatic uh, at the position. But also adding a guy that's talented enough to be someone they can, you know, that can start for them a year from now.
0: All right. Let's flip over to the wide receiving group. uh, Returning next year, at least under contract for next year, Jamison Williams, Quintus Cephas, Amon Ross St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, Tom Kennedy, of course, Stanley Berryhill, Josh Reynolds, Trinity Benson, and Maurice Alexander. So this is not one of the biggest areas of need on the right. team. There is also talk about bringing DJ shark back, or maybe they don't bring DJ shark back and that mm-hmm. might affect how they view this wide receiver group.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's a deep group. Um, as is, we, you know, as is going to be the way as it, is usual. Know. Yeah. That's how the future it, will be as well. Exactly. Um, the difference between this class and the last like two or three is that there is not a clear option and there might not be one uh, receiver drafted in the first 20 picks. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, we see a couple of them, two, three, maybe even four, you know, go in, at the end of the first round, but they're not going to be guys that you're like, you know, th- there. there's no Jamar chase in this draft class, you know what I mean? There's not. And so you're, you're, you've got a little, you've got a group at the top, but then a group that's kind of right behind them. Um And you're going to get volume out of this draft class. There's going to be a lot of good receivers that come out of it. There's just not a guy who's like exceptionally, you have to spend a first round or, or there's no chance. Like almost every one of these receivers, you could make an argument that they could slide into day two uh, for X, Y, or Z reasons. And so um, at the top of my board is Jordan Addison from USC. Again, I don't think the Lions would pay that price. Um, If they did decide to go wide receiver, it'd be a little bit harder sell for me to see it any earlier than like round three for that. um, You're looking at more guys that are like specialty specialty guys, uh, we've talked before about Michigan State's uh, Jaden Reed, who is um, a punt returner, gadget type player. He can do a lot of different things for you. That type of receiver would be, I think, welcomed in the in the Lions, uh, you know, depth chart. Um, Tank Dell is another guy who's like a gadget guy from Houston. He's a little bit more undersized, a uh, little bit more pure slot out of him. He will give give you some outside work, but then there's guys like. Uh, Rashi Rice, who's out of SMU, who might be like one of the best blocking wide receivers in this class, which is gonna go a long way with the Lions, but he's kind of like a, a big slot option. He's 6'1, 203, but he works primarily out of the slot. And how often is that guy gonna get gonna get on the field? And you know, essentially he would be your Quintes Cephas replacement if you don't think Quintes can stay healthy, right? So Uh, it's going to be hard to, to find a guy who I think is like, boy, you gotta have him because the price is right. The, 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 the value, you know, the, the player and the value and the price, it's all matches up perfectly. It's hard to really kind of pinpoint somebody who stands out. Um, so, I mean, it's hard for me to really identify which exact guys I, I think you kind of look for speed because that's historically what the Brad Holmes prefers. And so start, keep an eye on those 40 times and keep an eye on the guys that can maintain speed during the drills. Don't like if guys are running and they slow down when they're trying to catch the ball, that's not what the lions are going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for guys that can just flat out go and separate. And that's, that's why I keep coming back to Reed, uh, because he separates with the best of them. Tank Dell separates with the best of them. And so um, those type of guys, I think are going to be value players uh, down the road. Like, cause if the line, a year, like right now the lines are in good shape, but a year from now they could be without Chark, without uh, Josh Reynolds and without Khalif Raymond. Right. Cause they're all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chark's already expired. The other two are on, on last year, of their deal. So you want to find someone who can compliment Jameson and Amon Ra but you also want to find someone who can kind of fit the mold of what they're looking for. So who's a guy that can be like a wide receiver four or five now, but maybe step into a wide receiver three role. And you want to get a guy who has some speed to him at the right price. So it's going to, it's going to be a little little harder to
0: find receivers this year round. All right. This is an uh, emotional Eric question. Mm. So although I think the lions will end up trading pick 18, I just have a weird feeling that they're not going to end up picking there, but if they went up there at pick 18 and drafted you know, Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnson or Jackson Smith mm-hmm. and Jigba, mm-hmm. how would you feel? Would you feel betrayed mm-hmm. a certain level of betrayal? Um. Well, I th- I think I'd be
1: disappointed in the fact that I don't think they would be maximizing their, their value of their draft picks properly.
0: Probably a bad um, question in a way, but
1: no, but at the same time, um, once the guys on the team you're you have to look at how can this player be more valuable right and right now if they only go in there with um if they don't resign Chark, and they draft a receiver in the first round then that's telling you all you need to know about josh reynolds you know what i mean because they're essentially trying to draft someone that they think can can you know beat josh reynolds out and then maybe now you're set long term for all three spots um uh, and so, you know, you're not going to be mad at it when you look at how he's going to, how that player would impact the team. Uh, at the same time, I wouldn't appreciate the value of it, I guess. Um, I, I think, I don't think it would be utilizing your picks properly.
0: All right. Let's pop over to the tight end group currently under, well, Brock Wright and Shane Zilster aren't under contract, right? They're exclusive rights free agents, so they're not going anywhere. Also, James Mitchell and Derek Deese Jr., are, are around. So that's the group that they fit. Well, except for Deese was on the team. We never saw him play. I don't believe, I don't think he ever got a snap in. Yeah, year. no, he was,
1: minutes. he was in training camp and then he, 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 uh, he came back like after, yeah, he, he, I don't think he, he played anywhere. um uh, I don't think he, yeah, I think he did. I don't think he saw an NFL snap last year. So still. The rookie. Other,
0: yeah. The other three guys though, we saw heavily at the end of the season oh, yeah. and three guys yeah. that produced at the end mm-hmm. of the year especially after the trade of tj hawkinson so bearing that in mind let's talk about the available tight ends and there's some of your rivals out there who <laughs> who may have thrown michael meyer to the lions in the you know <laughs> pits it picks six here and there that's kind of disappeared a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah look there's there's like six tight ends that are all incredibly valuable um Probably all top 100 picks, maybe six all going to top 50. That's the type of like talent they have. Um, for the Lions, though, only a couple of them would make sense. And then again, it becomes a value thing. Are they, if you're drafting a tight end, it says that you felt the position needed to be upgraded. Whereas I'm not so sure that they feel that way, or may, or they probably wouldn't have traded Hawkinson, uh, to begin with. So, um, Mayor is the top guy for me. Uh, you can argue there's going to be some people that are going to say like uh, Dalton Kincaid from Utah or even Luke Musgrave are maybe more talented uh, or maybe we'll go off the board first. The difference is, is that those guys are are better pass catchers. Right. Whereas I think the Lions are going to be looking for people that that block. Right. Like that's their primary function that they want out of their out of their tight end. So Kincaid is great he's an excellent pass catcher but he doesn't block very well and so he might be a first round talent but i don't think he's a guy the lines would be interested in adding mayor would be mayor is a guy who is a dynamic blocker and he would be a lot of fun but again i i don't think paying a first rounder is something that this regime is interested in um from there
0: deep down I, Dan Campbell is interested in taking tight ends in the first round uh, or maybe, maybe, maybe feels that guys like him were undervalued. It's and very maybe possible. They should never take a tight end in the first round.
1: If he is, then he's going to, he's going to like Luke, uh, Luke shoemaker, right? Like, right. that's a that's a blocking tight end who you could probably, you're probably going to get in rounds three or four. Um, Primarily a blocker, one of the better blockers in this class. Mayor, uh, Schoonmaker, uh, Darnell Washington, the big guy from Georgia. We can talk about him a little bit more if you want as well. Uh, those are like the top guys as far as blocking. um Tucker Craft is a pretty good blocker too. Uh, but like later round guys like Payne Durham, Noah uh, Gindorf, those are guys you can get like in the sixth, seventh round who are blocking tight ends who might be able to just step in and give you what you need as well. So um, for me, it's kind of down to like six guys. Um, if you're going to spend early, you're going to, you're debating between mayor and Washington. Darnell, Washington is six, seven He's probably closer to two eighty. a bit, if we're being honest and he might, he's going to be over six, seven as well. Um, so over six seven, two 265 two eighties we're going to end up being at, he's just a monster. And he's an excellent blocker. Mayor's an excellent blocker. You're probably going to pay top 50 uh, pick for them. I don't think that's where they're going to be looking. Tucker Craft is probably between 50 and 100. Uh, Schoonmaker's probably between, I don't know, 75 and 125. It's, you know, picks 75 and 125. Uh, and then, like I said, and after those four, you're probably waiting on a guy like Payne Durham or, or, or uh, Gindorf from a, uh, North Dakota State, like those guys are blocking tight ends who could be tight end three or maybe even tight end four while they develop, right? And you can get them with maybe like a six-round pick or something like that.
0: So Payne or Gindorf, okay, so you're saying sixth-round pick, maybe yeah. even undrafted free agent.
1: Yeah, maybe, yeah, right?
0: Hmm. And I have no questions about the tight I, I don't think they go in the <laughs> tight end direction. I don't.
1: I, I don't either, especially what they've shown kind of historically.
0: All right, let's talk offensive linemen. First, start with the offensive tackles. I know we'll get into some uh, murky territory when it comes between guys mm-hmm. who have positional flexibility between tackle and guard. Yeah. Well, you know what, they, we'll let's start with tackles. So the tackles that are under contract for next year, Taylor Decker, Obina a Panay Sewell, Matt Nelson is a restricted free agent, so he may or may not come back. So only four tackles there and maybe only three. This this Mm -hmm. might be a position they're looking for. Obviously not for a starter because they have two guys entrenched.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the two of us have always preached that there are certain positions you need three starter-capable players at, uh, cornerback and offensive tackle being at the top of that list. So having a third offensive tackle available it is definitely something that that we uh you know feels a priority and so i do think adding a tackle at some point is going to make a is going to make some sense now if you add a tackle guard flexible type player well then that gives you a little bit more uh you know option as well right um at the top the the tackles that you wouldn't draft to play tackle you would if you draft one of these guys, you're playing them at guard, and you know that they have tackle flexibility. Um, I don't think they're going to take like uh, Scornowski or Paris Johnson, like or, or even Broderick Jones. Like those are your top guys. I'm going to kind of pull them off the board because they're going to cost like I don't top 15 picks probably, and that's not what the Lions are, gonna, are probably in the in the business of doing. So the guys, the two guys that I would look at as maybe your guard tackle flexible guys are uh, Darnell Wright from Tennessee and Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. Both of those guys are, could probably start at tackle right now. And so they're going to appeal to teams in need of a starting tackle at the same time, both Wright And Bergeron could probably start at right guard and then be someone that you could utilize. You could look at two years down the road and say, okay, is you know let now that Taylor Decker's contract is up, let's reevaluate re- where he's at. We have our right guard who we could probably push out to tackle, and uh, it might give them some positional flexibility. Or maybe you just keep him at guard, and that's just what happens. But the two guys that jump to my mind when looking at that type of scenario are Darnell Wright and Matthew Bergeron. Now, both of them are potentially guys that you would take in the second round one of your second round picks you'd use on, on those guys. I'm not sold that Darnell Wright even makes it into the second round. Uh, I'm a big Darnell Wright fan, and I think he could go in the first. And if he does, it would kind of, you know, it would, this is, this is a, I don't know know if it's a bold proclamation, because like I think most people look at him as like a top, top 64 player, but I I think he's a top 32 player. I think he should go he'll probably go in the first round. And then if that's the case and you're looking for this guard tackle scenario guy, then you're probably looking at Matthew Bergeron, but you're going to use a second round pick to to grab him and probably your first second round pick. So after that, there's not a whole lot of tackle guard combos that I keep in the tackle category. There'll probably be some guys in the guard category when we get to that, but um those are guys that i think like our first guards tackle second whereas i think like bergeron and Wright, i think they can do both and so that's why i kind of keep them in my tackle category um beyond that though if you're looking for a swing tackle uh that can be like an ot3 you're looking for an athlete right matt nelson was an athlete um all their every one of their offensive linemen they prefer the more athletic you are, the better. A couple of late round, like day three tackles that are athletic, that I'm going to keep my eye on. Uh, Blake Freeland from BYU and Ryan Hayes from Michigan, those two guys are are should check in pretty athletic, and um, I, I think you're going to get them on day three. I'm pretty confident about that. And I think they could both fit, uh, you know, what you're looking for in that kind of OT three role. And you're not going to have to break the bank to, to, to get them. And, you know, you're just worried about them playing that one specific role and then be you're satisfied with that.
0: One guy I'm looking at, he's not a swing tackle. He's not mm-hmm. going to be playing a guard. Dewan Jones from Ohio <laughs> state, six foot eight, 375 <clears throat> pounds. By far, by 30 pounds, it looks like the heaviest offensive tackle out there. I'm guessing oh, yeah. he would be only relegated to playing right tackle. And yes. I don't think they're looking for just some guy to back up Penne Sewell, but always a guy to look for. We got to see what his numbers turn out.
1: People are gonna people are people are gonna fall in love with him. Um, he did real well at the senior bowl. Uh he was, you know, he throws that weight around pretty well. Um, you know, like last year uh Daniel Fahili, right? Uh, he was like 6'8, 380 or something like that. Uh, but yeah. he wasn't as a, he wasn't as athletic um mm-hmm. as I think Jones will be. Um so Jones should be look a little sharper. But he's got like his wingspan is almost 90 inches. Like that's ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. that's insane. Um so he's definitely a large human. Probably be, will be a right tackle for almost everybody. There might be some team that runs a system that says, "Hey, we can play him on the left," um, kind of like Orlando Bloom uh, Brown. Remember Orlando, Orlando Brown? <laughs> um, a little
0: undersized to play offensive sli- tackle,
1: slightly. Um, remember uh, Orlando Brown was a guy that everyone was like, "He's too slow. He's not athletic. He's only going to play right." And then he wanted to play left, and then Baltimore traded for him, and now he played left for them. And like, so you might see that type of mentality. There's still a lot of gms that are stuck in that old if you fit this size and you can't run like this then this is the only spot you can play um i don't think the lions are necessarily like that they're they're gonna let guys kind of see what they can do but um it sure does look like jones is probably a right tackle he's only played right tackle at ohio state and um he you know he's he's a senior but like He's, I think he's only started two years. I need to only 1553
0: snaps under his belt compared to a guy like Peter Skoronsky from Northwestern, who had 2300 snaps under his belt, who was only a a junior. So, right, he probably probably is only a two year starter. 700 snaps sounds about right for a team with a 12 game, 13 game schedule. So, yeah, uh, that would be a two year starter.
1: He look, he's like last year he played well, the year before when he was a freshman. Um, he struggled a little bit. And so you also have to keep, you have to wonder with him, is he, you know, he has the athletic or he has the intangibles, the size and, uh, the athleticism, but, um, the production, you know, how, how much production do you need, uh, to be confident that he's going to translate to the NFL pretty easily. So let me, he's an interesting case. Uh, a lot of people are going to fall in love with that size though.
0: Right. All right. Speaking of sides, let's move to the next biggest spot on the football field, the interior offensive line, the guards and center that are under contract for next year. Jonah Jackson, Logan Stenberg, Darren Paolo, of course, Frank Ragnow, Roche Pierschbacher the other centers, restricted free agent, uh, Hal Vitae and Coyote Oshwika are under contract. Tommy Kramer exclusive rights free agent so he'll likely be back into the fold so the team has said i don't know if it was holmes that he's got his five starting offensive linemen coming back next year right there was some he, sort uh, of statement like that ben Obviously, johnson ben okay, johnson ben said johnson. that a couple times yep hell vitae didn't play last year if he did it was only a snapper job. i don't think he played at all though right no he got
1: hurt before week one yeah
0: before even week one so He's the a you know, de facto starter at right guard. He didn't really lose his job. He was just out for the season. So, with that being said, he's also entering the last year of his contract. No, he's, got two. He's, got two. he's got two. Oh yeah. well. So this is, I guess, more of a long. It's a short-term and a long-term need for the Lions because they're they're losing depth, right, with yeah. the loss of Evan Brown. But uh, they're also might need some long-term solutions. Hey, what if Jonah Jackson doesn't resign when mm. his time comes to get a free agent deal and. Well, same thing with Al Vitae. What if the injury has really slowed him, or what if they just yeah. decide to move on after two years?
1: Yeah, or yeah, because his cost is up there. Right? Oh yeah, like even the, cut yeah. him. Yeah, to say. Yeah. So that if his cost becomes a problem, then they're going to need a starter. Uh, the nice thing is, is that there's plenty of them. There's there's plenty of guys right at the top that I think would all fit and do well. Um, I have my favorites, of course. Um, nice thing is, is that. I do think, you know, there's a good chance one of them is there when you pick in the second round, and so if you if you're not looking for Bergeron or let's say Bergeron and Wright are kind of both off the board, uh, and you're looking for more like a, of a pure tackle, the the top two on my board right now are Osiris Torrance from Florida uh, and Steve Avila from TCU. Those are my top two guys. Um, the more I watch Avila, the more I kind of bump him up my boards. And I think that he's going to be a better player than like, he's getting, you know, credit for right now. Um, I think both of them are plug and play right guards. Uh, I like Avila's flexibility a little bit more. Uh, I like Torrance's, you know, his ability to just, you know, deconstruct plays with his size and, uh, aggressiveness. So those two guys would be great fits for me. Um I mentioned earlier that like uh there were some guard tackle combo guys that I thought I preferred in, as guard. One of them is Cody Mouch from North Dakota State. He played 4 years at ta- at left tackle. Uh he's a guy I think is going to play guard in the NFL and but he does have that like tackle ability, right? Now I don't think he's a guy you necessarily are are going to be planning long term for him to be like a you know your right tackle of the future type of thing. Uh but he's a guy who I think you could plan on being a starting guard uh for you. And then he has that ability to play tackle in, in a pinch. He's just not someone you want to keep there all the time. From there, um you get a lot of guys that are like centers who can also play guard. Um John Michael Schmitz I think could make the combo the, the transition to guard. Joe Tipman could probably make the transition to guard. Those are both primarily centers. Um Patterson, you know, I think he's he can work in a gap, but he might be better suited as a center even though I think he he has some guard experience uh, as Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame. Um and then like uh Oluwotimi, the uh center from Michigan. He needs to get a little bit stronger um in order to you know be able to live at guard but i think he has he's capable um he won the uh remington's best center yeah um you know on that offensive line won the uh the joe oh gosh joe moore uh award for best the best offensive line and so you know there's a lot of feathers in his cap and he did a really he did a lot of really good things there um but he doesn't quite have the power and I think that's going to kind of push him down the boards a little bit, even though technically he's a he's a really good guy. Um, if you're looking for a guard and you're not drafting them in the first two rounds, but you're like, hey, I want a guard on in round three uh, that can probably compete to start, maybe even come in just straight start. The guys that I've kind of identified on my board are uh, Emil uh, Ikore from Alabama and anthony bradford from lsu those two guys i think are they'd be good gap players they could they can they're uh mobile um is a little smaller bradford's big i mean bradford is 6'5, 345 he's a big boy Ooh. it's from muskegon too so um i think he's a guy he's, he's just not as experienced but I think he's a guy who could, you know, you could come out of camp with him as your right guard if you drafted him. Um, those are the kind of the target guys that I'm looking at. There's more centers and combo guys, but if you're talking about guys that can come in and play right guard, those those like Torrance, Avila, Mouch, uh, Ecor, Bradford, those are your those guys can probably come in and win a right guard job.
0: Ricky Stromberg can lightning strike twice. The Arkansas Center. Although he's not projected as a first round pick. Like he got a uh, ton of experience. He does That's, over yeah. 2,300 snaps. I was just wondering if you've you've paid close attention to him at all. Not
1: a ton. Um because he's 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 he seems later like he's later graded be a d- player. Yep. Yeah, like um sometimes when I start watching tape on these guys, I look at um so Brandon Thorne is one of the best offensive line evaluators out there. And I kind of look at how he has guys graded. And then I start kind of, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to watch the guys that I, he has graded as like first or second rounders. And I'll kind of watch those guys as a group. And then I'll kind of watch. And it, it helps me kind of get an idea of what he thinks. Uh, and, and then it kind of helps me group players so that I can watch them and get more of an apples to apples comparison. Um He does not grade Stromberg very well. So I haven't gotten to those day three guys. I've still been kind of working my way through the top, like, 200 players. Um, He's probably outside of that uh, for me right now. So, you know, we'll see. Well, maybe maybe he goes up uh, when I get a chance to get more eyes on him. But I don't know. I I don't have – it's not a guy I've watched yet.
0: All right, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. Let's go from the inside out. Currently under contract. Aleem McNeil, Levi Onzerike, who didn't play himself last year, Michael Brockers, well, not anymore. Michael yeah, Brockers not has anymore. been released. Um, looking at an old list. Demetrius Taylor with Benito Jones as an ex- exclusive rights-free agent. So that's now four guys, only four guys who are under contract contractor could be yeah. easily retained. Yeah, and
1: I, th- I think with Levi – not knowing where he's at, it's almost like you're down to like three, right? Mm -hmm. And two of them are guys that are reserves or practice squad levels. And so now you're like, wow, I got one starter. Um, So yeah, they're going to, you know, maybe they address that in free agency. If they don't, uh, they're really going to have to probably address this early in the draft for me. And it becomes a matter of, do you need a a nose? Because you want to keep Aleem at the three. Or do you want to draft a more athletic three and then push a lean back to the nose? I think Ali McNeil's positional flexibility gives them, gives the lions the option to just take the best guy available. Uh, but they're going to have a preference. They're going to, they're going to have like an idea of, Hey, if we, if, if we have a three technique and a nose tackle, both graded the same, we're going to pick the guy that leaves and lean where we want him. You know what I mean? So that's what, you know, we're not hundred percent sure whether that's, going to end up uh for me i've been looking a little bit more at those guys because i think keeping a limit at, at, at the three makes a lot more sense um but i'm not ruling out them just taking a, a three technique because those guys are, are are awfully talented so um Jalen carter's the guy at the top obviously uh he's you know gonna he's a guy who's been talked about as being possibly going number one overall uh it would take a you know a, a set of things lining up perfectly for him to somehow fall to six uh like multiple quarterbacks like three or four going ahead of him um so but you know they're I, i'm not going to rule him out uh but he sure seems like he's a guy who shouldn't be there at six if he is you you, you take the card you hand it in you're happy because he he's he's a difference maker he is a quinn and williams type difference maker uh where he can disrupt he has a full complement of everything um he can he can he has power he has speed he has balance he he can he can pass rush he can run stop he, he can do all those things it's it's a he's a terrific player after him it gets a little muddled because um is Brise your next guy? Who historically that's the guy who most people have had it as defensive tackle too? You don't like him. No, it's not that I don't. Um, I actually think he's a good player, he just had a down year for a lot of reasons, right? And so um, is I just don't know which guy he is. If he's the guy he was uh previously, awesome, then he's he'll be DT2. If he's not if he's the guy he was last year, he's a little bit more consistent, and then you're you're gambling a little bit more. Um, so I don't know. I don't know exactly. I, I could see them taking him at 18 and just being happy, and I could also see them passing and then him sliding and maybe still being there in the second round. Uh, it all depends on how the teams end up viewing him. Unfortunately, it's going to be one of those situations where Teams are going to be able to uncover some of these answers and in through interviews. Whereas, uh, you know, for us on the outside looking in, we're probably not going to be able to, to ascertain that. So if you go past Breeze, you're looking at like Mozzie Smith from uh, from Michigan, the, the 0 1. Uh, I think you put him next to Aleem. You've got almost 700 pounds of bulk now in the middle, and you, you got an excellent run stuffing duo. Uh, Mozzie is not as pass rushing flexible as a is. So you may have to, you know, switch him out on certain downs. Uh, but he's an incredible athlete. Uh, Bruce Feldman's number one freak on his freak list that he puts out, um, ahead of every uh, football season. He's should test incredibly well. And, um, I think he would be an easy decision if he's there in the second round, Um, Kalijah Cansey is a guy who's been absolutely skyrocketing up draft boards as people have been kind of, you know, figuring out who he is. Um, he is massively undersized.
0: Undersized Pittsburgh defensive tackle. Where have we heard this before?
1: Yeah, exactly. And the Aaron Donald comparisons are, you know, extremely premature at the same time. He has an incredible first step and he, because he's undersized, he understands how to use it. And so um he's going to be defensive tackle too, for a lot of people. Uh, and they you're going to get Aaron Donald vibes. Uh, people are going to, you're just going to see that and you're going to think it. I'm not sold. He's Aaron Donald, uh, uh, but he has, he has some traits that are intriguing. And uh, like I said, a lot of people are going to talk him up, and he should show well at the combine as well. Um, Sikiaki Ika is going to be in that next group, and Keanu Benton, both nose tackles, both guys that I think would be fun players to put next to a Leem. Uh, and you know, it, uh, Ika is a guy who's you know a little bit more athletic too. Whereas I really Duncan's...
0: liked Ika Baylor; he was one of my favorite guys.
1: It, just be it,
0: similar to Davis uh, last year at Georgia.
1: Yeah, he's just not as powerful as Davis, but he's more. He he's got yeah, athleticism. Um, he could show out really well. Uh, he would be fun. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he how much he participates because he is coming off an injury and he did skip the Senior Bowl because of it. But you know we're a month past that now, so we'll see what he does. Um, when you get past like those guys, those six. Now you're into like fringe day three guys. Uh maybe like late somebody jumps up and grabs them in the third, maybe they go into fourth, uh, maybe they slide to the fifth. Um, Dexter Gervin. I'm sorry, Gervin Dexter. I always do that. Uh Gervin Dexter from Florida is a uh size guy who can play the three, who can do a little bit of range. Uh he's got some intriguing traits. Um Carl no, Carl Brooks is not. He was a snub. Never mind. Sorry about that. Um, Zach Pickens is a guy who um is another three who's got a, a nice first step. Uh Jacqueline Roy from LSU, another LSU guy who I think is a bit underrated. Uh Roy's a good uh, run stuffer. That's going to appeal to the Lions. And he's a guy who, would, you know, could probably play the three. You could probably get him, like, in the late third round, maybe, you know, like I said on, early on, earlier on day three. Uh, and then Texas has got a pair of guys. Um, and then it, it kind of – you, you kind of hit the – start to fall off the cliff after that. Um, Cameron Young is a guy who people are, have talked about uh, for a nose tackle from Mississippi State. Um, I don't know. I'm not sold on him just yet. Gerard Clark from coastal carolinas another nose um i think there's some flaws to his game as well but uh, i mean but then again that's kind of what comes with the that kind of comes with the territory when you're talking about day three guys anyway so um but those are other nose tackles that i'm going to be watching just to kind of see if they can uh show a little bit more athleticism than what i was expecting now you
0: know i'm okay with with Jaden reed we're going going back to uh michigan state right hmm. jacob slade though i always felt was the spartans best defender the spartans yeah. defense was always a lot better when he was on the field and i would say that of the amongst the spartan draftables i'd ha- i'd ha- I, and i could be definitely wrong i'd have him at number two behind barringer you know that that would be the guy i like i don't know if hmm. he really fits what the lions do
1: um you know they could go so many different ways with depth the uh the the thing with Slade though is he's gonna have to prove it at Michigan State because he didn't he didn't get a combine invite. Um
0: okay. so
1: he yeah, so he's gonna have to show it show it in East Lansing. I think he's a guy. That's why
0: you didn't touch on him
1: correct that. yeah i think he's a guy who could maybe get drafted in like the fifth or sixth round
0: wow um, usually so. it doesn't happen for spartans to go that no high. but especially but think, not going to the combine like you know being one of those guys those day three guys
1: there are some snubs though in this in this class like guys that probably should have had a combine invite um slade was right there for me um carl brooks who i mistakenly mentioned from bowling green he should have went like he he could Carl Brooks could go in the first top 100. Um, and he didn't get a combine invite. So because
0: he went to Bowling Green. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. He's going to have to go be at the Ohio State Pro Day. They probably won't even have a Bowling Green. Oh, jeez.
1: I'm not even sure. Um, you know where he's from, though? He's from Lansing. Is he local? he's from Lansing.
0: Okay.
1: So maybe it's a Lansing thing. Maybe they just prejudice against Lansing.
0: <laughs> well, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> All right. Flipping out to defensive end or edge defender, we'll we'll, we'll consider both uh, with this discussion. So under contract for next season, Aiden Hutchinson, Charles Harris, Josh Pascal, Romeo Aquara. Then you talk about the Sam linebacker, rush linebacker, James Houston, and Julian Aquara. Those are your six that are under contract the next year.
1: Um, so edge rusher is a bit of a debate, right? Um. It's I there, don't... it's gonna
0: be there. <clears throat> that's what it is. that's what best available is probably gonna be when the Lions are picking sixth. Um, but not as big of a position of need as defensive tackle is correct, maybe not even that big of a position of need,
1: right? It may not Period. end up being right exactly at the same time. It may be that the best player on the board uh is an edge rusher, and if mm-hmm. it is, and Brad Holmes doesn't trade out. I could see him take it, right? Like I, so it's it's kind of up in the air. Look, if, if same thing with Jalen our discussion with Jalen Carter. If Will Anderson happens to fall out, I think Will Anderson is a guy that you take and you just don't you don't even think twice about it. Um Tyler Generational Wilson, talent. I think he he he's he's Demarcus Ware, right? Like you you you're getting a pro bowler potential, you know, Hall of Fame type of guy. Like, I think that's who he can be. You
0: can't pass that up, even if it's, you have other ones that play that even if
1: you, Yes, even if you have Aiden Hutchinson and everybody else. Yeah, you change your defense, you draft him, and then you're ecstatic. Um, now, Tyree Wilson is getting a ton of hype. Uh, already considered like a top 10 guy as it was. He's getting hype where it's, it's rumored that some teams are even considering him based on intangibles, because he's 6'6", 270, um, as a potential guy who could get drafted ahead of Will Anderson, which in my mind would be a bit crazy, but NFL teams do crazy things sometimes. Wilson getting hype is very good for the Lions, because if somebody thinks Wilson is a better player than Anderson and three quarterbacks go in the top five, and then Wilson goes, and then let's say, then you're going to get Anderson or Carter. You know what I mean? Like, Wilson getting hype is a good thing. Uh, I also think he could be a good player for the Lions if they decided that they wanted to draft him as well. The difference here is, though, is that Anderson is a polished player who has massive production in in the SEC. Like, that is a translatable trait. Wilson is a guy who you're drafting on intangibles, And projection and hope and and development, he is more Ezekiel Ansah, right? Where you're drafting a guy who you're like, my goodness, this is a freak of a talent who should go in the top five, but he could also bust out, and we're not, uh, we'll see where it goes. But he sure looks like he's going to be a ten sack a year guy, like you know, like Ezekiel turned into at one point. Um, so he's getting a lot of love at the same time the guys below him are kind of getting mixed reviews miles murphy from clemson is is a top 20 guy who's starting to you know fall down the boards as people are dissecting his game a little bit more because he's not quite as like hip flexible as is the top two guys then you have these power edge guys like uh, lucas van ness from iowa and keon white from georgia tech these power guys are starting to rise as people are saying, man, this is going to work there. This style of play is going to work in the NFL. So those five guys could all go in the first round, right? Like you could get all of them. All five of those guys would appeal to the lions. If the value is there at the, at the spot that they're at. So I watch all five of them, like just to see it's, it's good to know the value of this position anyways, because you can never have enough pass rushers at the same time. A guy like Nolan Smith, who doesn't fit the defense, he might go in the first round too. He's a, the Georgia pass rusher. He's more of like a three-four team guy. I don't, Lions, I don't think are going to be interested in him, uh, but he's another pass rusher that could go in the first round. Um, as far as fit with the Lions, it really, you know, if you what you're looking at is value, but you're also looking at where would they fit in. And and in my opinion, with Hutchinson on open on the open end defensive side of the on the open defensive end side you're probably looking for a closed guy a guy who can line up over the tackle and yes you just took Josh Pascal at pick 45 last year to play that role but defensive end is a rotational role and if you have a second guy that can rotate with Pascal through that closed end spot opposite Aiden you're keeping people fresh and that's you could have you could you could essentially start to create a lot of depth at the position, which is going to help increase production. And if you're adding youth, then you're creating stability for the future as well. So I'm going to keep my eye on guys that are more closed ends. Um, if you get past round one and you start looking at like round three, um, Colby Wooden out of Auburn, uh, Mike Morris, uh, another Michigan guy. Um Edo Abare from Northwestern. Um, those guys are guys that are probably closed ends, but, but can also play the four eye. Um, so you can kind of see them in kind of like a Michael Brockers type role where they they can play inside on an, a regular down, but they can also play the closed spot. Um, and those are guys you can probably find in like round three. So you could, if you miss early on a, on a defensive tackle or maybe assign a big one in, in free agency, you can still add depth, uh, which they need. They need depth on the defensive line as well. My sleeper, like the guy who I think could be the James Houston of this class is uh, Yasir Abdullah from Louisville. He's just 6'1", 235 pounds, which is basically the exact same size as James Houston, just like 9 pounds lighter. Um, he doesn't quite have Houston's power, but you add nine pounds of uh, muscle in in an NFL locker room, and that that power can come. Um, he's got the bend, he's got the flexibility, he's got all kinds of things. But he's he's too small for a three four team to play on the outside, uh, and he's not and he's and he's uh, he's not big enough to 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 play a defensive end in a four three. He's also not uh, experienced or flexible enough to play off the ball. So really, he's a pass rusher. He's pass rusher only type of guy and so that's going to drop his stock and this is a guy you can probably find in like the fifth or sixth round you take him and you you turn turn try and turn him into him. the next one yeah it's a he's your james houston uh next and he's going to play every down in special teams you know what i mean like that he'll be that type of player for you
0: all right i don't have too many follow-up questions at defensive end i think we got to keep moving on uh because if, like you just talked about, if they don't get one of those guys, if, if one of those top guys doesn't fall to them at six and they don't trade out of there, they might end up taking them. But, and if they do end up taking them, they're definitely not taking another one. There, that'll right. be it for defensive ends for the draft. Right. And if they miss out on all those guys and end up taking somebody else, I don't really see them taking a defensive end later. They might, you know, there's yeah. a possibility, of course, but the, and doesn't seem as good as say for this position we're going to talk about now line off the ball linebackers, Malcolm Rodriguez, Derek Barnes, are returning for sure. Anthony Pittman's exclusive rights free agent. I'm guessing they'll keep around too. So there you go. Three guys under contract. So what we, this, this would be a position that many would be looking for the lions to draft coming up.
1: Yeah. They, they, they keep six active on game days. So they're going to need to add three linebackers in some capacity you know returning guys free agency or whatnot here's the problem with the off the ball linebacker class there might be one starter like that's it like there might be one guy who can start and in a traditional off the ball type role a stack role that's drew sanders from arkansas he's can probably he he can come off the he can you can draft him maybe in round two Maybe with your first pick in round two, maybe you have to trade up for him or maybe you trade back from 18 and you grab him. But Drew Sanders is a guy you can plug and play at the mic and you're happy with what he's going to be for the next several years. A guy like Trenton Simpson is also going to go in the top 50 range, but he's not necessarily a starter. He's a matchup guy. He's a guy who's going to play the will. He's going to play like a strong safety. He's going to play over the slot. So he's a weapon. So you're not necessarily going to get a start like a plug and play type starter. You're going to get a guy who can do a lot of things. Those are your top 50 guys after those two, it's you're not picking a guy in the top in the first two rounds. In my opinion, everyone after that's round three or lower. And that means you're probably not getting a starter. Um, And so that's the hard part with this class. It's not great uh, for, for trying to add someone. So Your next best Mike is probably Jack Campbell from Iowa. Very traditional
0: Uh, Mike linebacker.
1: Yes, which means he might be a two down linebacker, which means um, you might not be a guy who you're, you know, you're going to want to, he's not a guy you're going to think that can stay on the field. And if he's not a guy who's going to always stay on the field, at least early in his career, um, then you know where do you draft him i mean you probably you probably don't take that guy before the third round and so he would have a chance and look with could he beat out Derek barnes yes yeah i think he could beat out Derek barnes could he beat out alex anzalone i don't think he could to be honest and that's that kind of you know not at least at this stage of his career so um i don't think campbell's quite ready but he's an option after that you get a lot of hybrid guys uh uh, Diane Hen- Henley, uh, Demarion Overshone, those guys are, they can play cover, they can play hang, they can play will, they can do a lot of different things, but they're not like plug and play type starter guys. And if they were to start, it's where you're starting Malcolm anyways. And so you're probably not going to start him in, in with the roster you have. So um, I know a lot of people are, um, you know, talking, uh, when I published this article, I was asked, you know, why didn't you put in Henry uh, To'o To'o in uh, in there, the kid from Alabama, uh, the Tennessee transfer that played at Alabama the last two years. I think because I think he's a will. I think he's a will only, and that's where Malcolm plays. And so I don't think a guy like that is go- uh, if you if you're a will only, you're not going to have the appeal to the Lions because of Malcolm. And so. Toll is not going to be in that conversation. Nick Hedberg from Wisconsin's not going to be in the conversation for me because he's like a Sam. I don't think Noah Sewell is going to uh, be in the yeah. for me. uh he is
0: should be a lot of people wanting Noah Sewell.
1: Yeah, look, and if he's Noah Sewell from two years ago, awesome. Bring him in, turn him loose. Uh, if he is Noah Sewell from last year, okay, let me back up. Oregon had a very nice system that Noah Sewell thrived in. Then last season, they got brought in a new coaching staff with a pro-style defense. And that pro-style defense exposed him. He struggled. He was less confident. He missed tackles. He took poor angles. So a whole bunch of problems that that went on with, with him. And he didn't look like he had the dynamic range that he had in the previous system. And so that should tell you a lot. It if if you play like a two-gapping scheme like the Patriots or a Patriots-esque, Noah's probably going to be a good player for you. But if you play a straight kind of 4-3 or 4-2 with a two-stack linebackers, he's limited. And so you're especially what you saw from last season, he's limited. So you'd be hoping that you could tap into the player he was previously, but you'd have to cure some stuff around. You'd have to turn some stuff around for him. I think he, he can be a good player, uh, but I think you're going to have to get him in the right scheme. Um, after that, uh, Cam Jones is a terrific run uh, run uh, defender. He's undersized, but he could be a Mike if he had a little weight on him. Ivan Pace is another good run defender. Uh, Anthony Orgy is a run defender. Um, you could probably talk them all, talk me into saying that all of them could eventually develop into a mic because they're so good at run defending. Um, but I just don't know if they are. I mean, I don't. I, they're not plug and play guys. They're developed guys. And so you'd be, you'd have two developmental mics, unless you think Barnes is ready to take that next step. Yeah. Um, and there's a handful of other guys that people are going to like and and yell at me for not including. But those are kind of the guys like that um those are the guys that I've kind of, you know, pegged, right? Do they want a hybrid player? If you want one, take overshone. I love Overshown. You want a run defender? Cam Jones is the best one uh in in this class. Uh you want a Mike and you're not willing to pay for Drew Sanders? Well, Jack Campbell's a guy you can probably take a a, a flyer on. Thing is, What this, when I'm looking at this class, this tells me you're probably going to find your starter in free agency. That's my guess.
0: It's going to be a similar looking group of linebackers next year as they have this year.
1: Yeah. And look, and if you don't bring back like Chris Board, you could turn. Cam Jones or, or Ivan Pace into Chris board, like, like, in, or you could turn Overshone into Chris board where he's going to be an excellent special teamer and like a, you know, linebacker four type of thing. Like you can do that with some of these later guys. So I'm not saying they won't draft a linebacker. I'm just saying drafting a linebacker that you think is going to start. It's, it's pretty slim pickings.
0: Cornerback group under contract for next year, Jerry Jacobs and Jeff Akuda, of course, Chase Lucas, Jaron Williams, Khalil Dorsey, Bobby Price is a restricted free agent, so he may or may not be back next year. So one and two, uh, they'll be returning and playing and starting. Uh, but they they need to fill out the depths, not even just depth, they need a third starter, whether they get it in free agency via trade or in the draft.
1: Yeah, they might need a depending on what they do with the they might need, yeah, they might need a couple starters, right? Right. Um, for me. There, there's two guys at the top and there's two guys that are going to be in the pick number six conversation uh that's devin Willerspoon and christian gonzalez gonzalez is the athlete that people are going to love and when you listen to the national guys they're going to say gonzalez is you know the the guy they that you the team should gamble on because they're talking about all 32 teams and so they're going to be they're going to say gonzalez is the maybe the better player, maybe the better athlete. But for the Lions, Witherspoon is the better player in my opinion, he's the better athlete, he's a better culture fit. And um he's the guy who is just for me he's just too perfect of of a fit. Like he's undersized, which is, you know, what makes him maybe not so perfect, but he brings the wood that in in a way that doesn't makes you not question that his size is an issue. Uh, he's instinctive. He can play man. He can play zone. He's anticipatory. He uh, can get his hands on the football. He's real sticky in man coverage, which is what the Lions like to do. Uh, and he hits. He hits, and he wants to hit, and he wants you to know that he hit you. So those things are fun. Like those are those are traits that get you drafted in the top five. And so, um, in my opinion, he's right there. I'm comfortable with him at six right now, based on what I've seen. And, um, you know, we'll see where they, where they end up going, but I think he's a guy you draft at six and you start him, And then you just, you let, you let Jerry and uh, Jeff fight it out on the other side. Now, Joey Porter is going to be a name that people want to talk about. Uh, Issue with, and and Joey's going to be really athletic too. The issue with Porter for me, and this is maybe just a Penn state thing. But he he gave free releases all the time. He never jammed. He never pressed. Like he just, it was just. I'm gonna man cover you with my athleticism, and I'm not. I'm just gonna let you go. Um, Lions don't do that. Lions don't want to let you go. Lions want to press you. Lions want to force you to make a decision. They there's no. They don't want to give you anything. Uh, That's the that's the mentality. That's the idea. And so Porter just lets him. He's just not as physical. And he's and he, he lets the route happen in front of him. And he counts on his athleticism to, to counter it. And that's not what the Lions want. And that's not what they do. So again, maybe that's Penn State or maybe that's Joey Porter. Uh, if it's Porter, his stock's going to go down for the Lions. And that's why I have him him lower on my board. Uh, the If you're looking to get a starter inside, you're limited in some of those guys. Uh, but I, <clears throat> I have my favorites, and my my favorite at the top uh, is, is Brian Branch from Alabama. Uh, he's with the safety group uh, on most boards. I have shifted him over to corner in my uh, latest draft board. That I'll be uh, distributing an update out to pa- to Patreon users before the combine starts. Uh, so Branch, though I'm I've shifted over to corner. I think he's a day one starting nickel. He can also play safety. He can play multiple safety spots, but essentially what you'd be getting with Branch is he's your fifth defensive back, right? And that's really what you care about. You don't care about what position he is. You care about what can he do. And there's a lot of teams that are moving towards this, like fifth defensive back being this hybrid player. And that's what Branch is for me. If they took Branch at 18. I'd be ecstatic because branch is a lot of what you want in a defensive back. And so, uh, you know, I think though because he's an off the ball and he's not an outside press guy, his stock's going to fall. Kind of like we saw with Kyle Hamilton last year, the safety out of Notre Dame, he'll probably fall into that 14 to 20 range. And when that happens, the lions could be in position to grab him at 18. And if you take, if you told me that the Lions walk out of day one with Witherspoon at six and Branch at eighteen, I'd be happy because you got you'd have two guys that are going to lock down two starting roles because I think both of those guys are, are plug and play uh, cornerbacks. There's also a handful of guys in this class because it's a deep class. There's a handful of guys that are going to be like fringe round one, possibly round two, depending on how they fit stylistically with the, with the scheme. And for the lions, it's going to be different than like for another team. Right. So, um, but there's probably another seven guys, I think that are like on that fringe where they could go run one, run two. Um, Ringo is uh, Keely Ringo from Georgia is, is the guy who's been hyped up for most of the season. I still think he's going to show out at the combine. And I think he has a good chance to sneak into the back end around one. Um, Deontay banks from Maryland is a guy who's been climbing draft boards, big physical. Um, he can play safety as well as corner. He's so he's got some, there's a lot of appeal to his game. Uh, and then it gets to some other guys. Like, I'm, like there's a lot of people really high on a manual forbes from mississippi state but if you just like look at like you know his stat line and stuff you're going to be awfully impressed with pass breakups the interceptions and stuff like that but if you don't actually watch him he is like a toothpick like his lower body is like rail thin um and it's it's crazy he's like six feet tall but he the way his body is formed he looks like he's like um like this almost like an ethiopian runner where he looks like he's super thin in the lower half um but like it makes him look taller than he actually is um but i mean people love his ball skills so he's 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 going to get talk and he's going to get first round consideration because of it uh cam smith from south carolina is, is a very high upside press man guy clark phillips from utah is a bit undersized so now you're talking about can he play nickel for you, um, or is he just an outside only? I think he's an outside guy, even though he's under under six foot. Um, Tyreek Stevenson is uh, flying up draft boards, 6'1", 214. Uh, Sean Dion Hamilton was his coach at the uh, Senior Bowl, so Lions got a real close look at him. Um, those guys there are all in that kind of like, they could get some round one conversation, but they're probably going to a lot of, most of them are going to go in round two. Um, so if the lions do pass on a corner in the first, that's your pool of players. You're kind of keeping an eye on as potential guys that could win a starting job out of, out of camp type of thing. The depth though, goes from there. Like there's guys that you're going to find later, right? Um, uh, uh, Caillou Blue Kelly from Stanford, DJ Turner from Michigan, Darius Rush, another South Carolina guy. These are all guys that are going to be in that round three, kind of four range. You start getting more nickel back guys in here, like uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson from TCU, who was actually the Thorpe Award winner this year. Uh, he's really undersized, but then you're also going to get guys like Julius Ber- Brents, who's like 6'3. Um, so you're going to get a lot of varying guys kind of from that from that stage on out and um there's still going to be talent to be had cuz it's it's a deep corner class this year uh and and unlike receiver this is it's a class that has a lot of talent at the top i could see four uh I, there's four guys i fully expect to go in round 1 and i do think when it's all said and done you could maybe even see a couple more uh, and maybe even those four guys could all go into top fifteen. Like that's how talented uh, the this this class can be. So I'm interested in the Lions being interested in one of these well those top four guys and uh, Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Branch. I think I'd be happy with any of those guys if they walked out of the first round with one or two of them.
0: Well, they better come out with one or two of them because <laughs> as we pointed out with the depth. It's not looking too great, and signing free agent corners, you know, not doesn't have the greatest track record across the NFL. That's not just the Lions' thing.
1: Yep, yep. And and for a team that's been building through the draft, this is a high priority position, and I foresee them addressing it kind of like they did the wide receiver group last year, where you add some free agent depth, and then you draft some from depth as well, and and let them compete and see what happens.
0: All right, let's move to the safety position. Currently under contract, Kirby Joseph, Ifiatu Melifonwu, Brady Breeze, and Tracy Walker, who may or may not be available at the beginning of next season.
1: Yeah, Tracy says he's going to be ready to be on the field in the spring. We'll see how that goes. You know, I think that was kind of the same timeline as Akuda, so it's possible he's on the field and then maybe ready to go fully by training camp. Uh, That would be ideal if that could happen. Uh, if not, they may need to draft some insurance uh, at the position. And, um, you know, a guy like Branch would give them that option. Like Branch could be their nickel, but he could also start at safety for a few games if he need, if they needed him to. Um, after that, I don't really see them spending a high pick on a safety. I think you'd have to be spending a pick on a – if you're going to spend a high pick on a safety, he's going to have to be a guy who could also be your nickel. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're just going to take a pure safety. So, a guy like uh, Antonio Johnson, who's another top safety, he's six three, two hundred pounds. He's a guy who could probably play the slot for you, and he can probably play p- split zone. He's not your traditional like nickel. He'd be more like the Will Harris version of of nickel, where you're you're getting a bigger defensive back who can hit and is athletic. Uh, but he's not that quick twitch guy. So you're going to get kind of a similar Will Harris type of output from a guy like Antonio Johnson. If you were to draft him to the lions, whereas like another team could draft him, play him at safety and he'd probably be better suited. Christopher Smith from Georgia is a guy who I think could be a slot first, just like branch and um, uh, you know, a slot safety first and then uh, you know, off the ball safety uh, second, like uh, a free safety, single high type guy and then um, the other guy who I think kind of falls into that nickel range is uh, Jatavius Martin, uh, who uh, from Illinois, I uh, we've mentioned him before. He was Kirby Joseph's roommate at Illinois, and he basically took over. Uh, he uh, he's one of the safeties that played with him, and he's primarily a nickel. He can play back uh, like a back end safety role, but he's basically like a starting slot safety essentially. Um you're going to be able to get those guys at different levels. Like Branch is a first round guy. Antonio Johnson's probably a second. Christopher Smith's probably a third. And then um Martin is probably like a day three guy. Like so you could get that type of guy and it, it just depending on you know what you're willing what you're willing to live with, I guess. So there's there's options. But a guy like um Jordan Battle from Alabama, who's going to get a lot of love. I don't see them taking a guy like Jordan battle because he's a safety only. And with Tracy under uh, on a brand new contract and Kirby coming into his own, I don't see them thinking that it's a priority, especially when he's going to cost a day two pick. So a lot of those top safeties, you can probably cross off the list and you're probably looking for guys that can be more, you know, hybrid players and maybe potentially win another, uh, you know, starting role like Sidney Brown and the other Illinois safety. Can he be a slot? Maybe he's probably better as, as an, as like a split zone guy. So he's going to appeal, but can he play the slot? Cause that's probably how he's going to see the field. So you'd be, you'd have to ask yourself those questions. And one of the best ways to know that is to watch the combine drills and to watch when the safeties go through the corner drills, uh, Things like backpedaling and then sprinting forward, lateral movement. Some of the corner, like when they flip their hips, uh, that's when you can really tell the difference between safeties and corners. If any of these safeties start showing that they can flip their hips like the corners do, well, then you start looking at them as as, as nickel potential, nickel potential guys.
0: That's it for the safety group. I don't see any interesting guys as of yet. I guess we got to go through the comment. We got to start hearing you know, yeah. noise about some of these guys. So finally, the special teamers. Now, there's only six kickers and five punters invited to the combine. Yeah. Punter, we won't worry about. Got no. Jack Fox under contract. When it comes to the kickers, we have no kickers under contract. We have Scott <laughs> Daly, who's the long snapper. He's an exclusive rights-free agent. And there's a one long snapper, Alex Ward out of UCF, who will be at the combine. So forget about punters although it includes Michigan State's Bryce Behringer and Michigan's Brad Robbins. We're going to only talk about the kickers. Anders Carlson from Auburn, Christopher Dunn from NC State, Jake Moody from Michigan, who the, we're all accustomed to, and I don't think even Spartan fans won't mind having him around in a the Lions uniform. Jack Bud Lesney from Georgia, B.T. Potter from Clemson, and Chad Ryland from Maryland. So Ryland would be the competition for Moody, right? For best kicker in the in yeah. class
1: yeah I th- I think maybe there there might be some that like uh Carlson uh but really Ryland and Moody seem like the top kind of two guys Ryland is a little bit more um historically I guess accurate but Moody has a bigger leg um Moody has Moody hits a lot more clutch kicks as well uh they both actually train together if I'm not mistaken as well so um it's it's interesting that some a lot of the top kickers this year, punters and kickers, uh, all a lot of them have Michigan ties. So um, it's 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 a it should be kind of fun to see where these guys go. As far as the Lions go, I don't know if they're going to draft a kicker. I don't know if they if they should or if they would or if they even want to or if they'd even consider it. Um, but yeah, I do think Ryland and Moody are your are your targets to watch unfortunately at the combine they don't get a whole lot of love the only time they get love is if they do something like spectacular and like an agility drill or something and sure, then they're yeah. like, or one of them yeah. gets
0: on the bench press and right yeah matches like, an offensive lineman
1: right exactly um beyond that they don't do a whole lot else and so um you're just gonna have to watch tape or uh or wait for some ranking some rankings to come out to, to that to kind of separate them because there's not a whole lot of information right now which is uh not unexpected for the position.
0: All right. That's it for the the combine preview. Uh there is one bit of information of note. The Lions, while we've been talking, have brought in a new defensive line coach. His name's John Scott Jr. He was the Penn State defensive line coach and run game coordinator last season. I don't know if you have um, anything else on. I'm sure he was not on your radar.
1: No, not really. Um I spent most of my time looking at guys. Um I think we talked about it even last week. I spent most of my time talking about guys who were um former NFL coaches like either DCs that had, you know, might be looking for a job or uh former defensive NFL coaches. I didn't you know, I it's I don't I'm not really versed in uh in college defensive line coaches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right right I can see, yeah the it's picture not they have
0: of him, he's got a New York Jets shirt on, so he probably has some experience in the, the pro yes. ranks.
1: If I'm not mistaken, I think he's he's coached, yes, in the NFL, and I believe he's coached – I mean, I can look it up on, on the fly if you if we want to do that real fast. I don't I don't know if it's um, that big of a deal. No, but, I mean, like, it's interesting. All right, let Usually me, defensive
0: line was, coaches only make headlines when they're nude in a Wendy's <laughs> drive-thru. Or dressed, I can't remember, what was one of them dressed as for Halloween? I... Oh, gosh, Joe Barry or something. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was he was the Jets. He was a Jets quality control coach and a Jets assistant defensive line coach, Arkansas defensive line coach, South Carolina defensive line coach, then Penn State, and he's been Penn State's, uh since 2020. So, no, um, Penn State's got a good D-line, so... There's got to be a connection there uh, that we just haven't quite, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll uncover it as we go. Um, he played uh, in Canada. He didn't, didn't play in the NFL, but he's a former player, um, just not at the same level. Um, oh, geez. He's, uh, he's pretty young. Well.
0: He's a young guy. Young for
1: coaches. He's uh, he's younger than me, so that's fine. Wow.
0: <laughs> that's all of them now <laughs> it seems like it's it, an right? increasing number yeah
1: <laughs> um but um yeah we'll look we'll do some research we'll ask around and uh we'll get some information on him uh, out to the masses
0: all right so that's it we have a, a boost in some ratings first on you know from apple podcasts we got yeah, Joe so free there. and then i believe wkar 69 updated his uh his his um his review because i did the bare minimum for him last week i was slightly more (laughs) optimistic than i was in previous weeks so that would greatly appreciated. and i will i will continue to try to improve on that unless i feel that i do not need to improve on that
1: (laughs) he thinks you're the man joe he thinks i know
0: well i appreciate that i I think he's the man no nice time
1: i think uh I think there's a lot of people out there that, that share that sentiment, Joe. I, uh, I, I know it's, I I, I know that uh, they enjoy our chemistry. So I'm glad that we can keep delivering as, as much as possible. And it seems like people are happy because they keep reviewing and updating. And those are all super uh, humbling things and we appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. We have a bumps on 171 on Spotify, which is great to see too uh that's it do you have anything else to add eric before we yeah.
1: sign off no the only thing is is um we've had a we had a bump in the patreon people uh subscribers and, and that's now is appre- the time a, that is appreciated i um i have been working over the last you know week to really try and get some to really fine-tune the board up a little bit there's not major changes uh but you know you'll you know, you'll get a, a visual of some of the things I talked about, um, and I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna get that uploaded. Um, it'll it'll be in your email. Uh, I don't know Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll see how fast. If I can put it together tomorrow, I'll put it together tomorrow. Um, I got a few things to work on tomorrow, so we'll see how it goes. But I want to get it out to, to to the subscribers as fast as I can. But you will have it before the drills start. Uh, I promise that.
0: All right. That's it, everybody. Enjoy the combine coming up this Thursday. Uh, Thanks for everybody out there who's listening. And until next time, let's go Lions.